You're listening to Sunday Worship at Weddington Methodist Church. Find more ways to worship, fellowship, serve, study, and be supported at weddingtonchurch.org. Our reading today comes from the Gospel of Matthew. Please open your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 to 23, where we read about the Magi's visit to Bethlehem to see the Christ child, beginning in verse 1. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them that the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over a place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, incense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night, and left for Egypt, where he stayed until death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet. Out of Egypt I called my son. When Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious. He gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity, who were two years old and under, in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. Then what was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. A voice is heard in Ramah, weeping and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. After Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel, for those who are trying to take the child's life are dead. So he got up, took the child and his mother, and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning in Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. Having been warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee, and he went and lived in a town called Nazareth. So was fulfilled what was said through the prophets, that he would be called a Nazarene. This is the word of God for all God's people. Would you please pray with me? 
Oh God, we give you thanks for your word and how you use your holy scripture to speak to our hearts and guide us. Send your Holy Spirit to be with us now as we study it together. Open our hearts and our minds so that we may hear your voice and sense your presence. And may the words that I speak be blessed and used by you for your glory and your purpose. We pray in the name of your Son, Jesus the Christ. Amen. It's hard to believe that it's all over. Christmas has come and gone, and here we are. It's January 2023, and we are now in a season called Epiphany. The term Epiphany comes from a Greek word, which means appearance or divine manifestation. As Christians, we often associate Epiphany as a time when we remember the visit of the Magi to the Christ child and how God revealed himself to us in and through Jesus. A common modern understanding of epiphany is often referred to as having a sudden revelation or an aha moment where something becomes suddenly clear. I think most importantly, this season that follows Christmas reminds us that the story doesn't end here. In fact, it's just begun. Christmas ushers in a time when we remember one of the most amazing stories of our faith how God expresses his extraordinary love for us by sending his son Jesus into the world. Emmanuel, God is with us. During the season of Advent, we remember the events leading up to that incredible day when a star shone brightly over a stable in Bethlehem where Jesus was born. A time in history like no other, a time many imagined to have been serene and almost magical, isn't that what we hope for, what we hope to recapture each year as we celebrate Christmas? As we remember what happened that night, as we spend time with those we love, giving and receiving, and a time of wonderful surprises. And yet, for as much anticipation and preparation that we have leading up to Christmas, it all goes by so very quickly. And then we return to our routines and the reality of a world where life is not always magical or serene. Matthew's gospel reminds us that the world that Jesus was born into was much like ours, far from perfect. In fact, life after that first Christmas day was anything but serene. There was anger and murder, weeping and wailing, moving and resettling in a world full of problems and pain. And yet, there was something incredibly special about that night in Bethlehem. Something broke through the chaos swirling around them. Someone who would change everything and bring hope into the chaotic world. This, I believe, is what our hearts truly long for and seek to connect with, Jesus, the one who is able to break through our chaos and bring us hope. And while we'd love for Christmas to last forever, it doesn't. The reality is most days we live in a world where life isn't fair or easy, and surprises can bring bad news or hurt feelings or unwanted difficulties. In today's reading, as Matthew recounts the events following Jesus' birth, 
things seemed to take a sharp turn pretty quickly. Shortly after Jesus was born, the Magi traveled from the east, probably quite a long distance, as they were looking for Jesus. The one they were convinced was to be born King of the Jews. We're not exactly sure how they knew of Jesus' arrival, but we know that they had seen his star, that bright, beautiful star in the sky, a star that must have been quite different from all of the other stars and more beautiful than any light they had ever witnessed because it was the light of Christ in the world. When King Herod, Rome's vassal king at the time, heard the news of these wise men, that a baby had been born and was destined to be the king of the Jews, all King Herod could think about was himself and how this baby now threatened his power and his position. And Herod set out to make sure that that didn't happen, regardless of the cost. He employed all the resources and strategies that he could think of to thwart God's plan, and he set out to kill the baby. Not only was King Herod known to be an evil and ruthless ruler, he had a bad heart. Back in the first century, he would have made the top 10 list for the worst kings in the Roman Empire. History tells us that Herod had little regard for others, and he was known to have killed members of his very own family when he suspected that they might be scheming against him. This included his wife, three of his sons, his mother-in-law, brother-in-law, and even others. In fact, from his deathbed, Herod gave orders to kill the leading citizens of Jericho, just so that there would be people weeping at his funeral. King Herod was one bad dude. When Herod learned that the Magi had outwitted him, without pause, he gave an order for all boys in Bethlehem under the age of two to be killed, all because he wanted to protect his title and power over others. But God, God intervened with an angel appearing to Joseph in a dream, telling Joseph to take his family and flee. Let's pause for a moment here and once again take a look at Joseph. If you remember when Joseph learned that Mary was pregnant, he planned to dismiss her quietly. But an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and told him to not be afraid to take Mary as his wife because the baby conceived in her was from the Holy Spirit. We see this back in chapter 1, verses 19 and 20. And Joseph listened and responded in faith. Anyone would have understood if he walked away, but he didn't. He took Mary as his wife and raised Jesus as his son because he believed. He trusted that what had been revealed to him was from God, and he chose to allow God to use him. Then in verse 13, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in another dream, and again Joseph responds in faith. And he does what God is calling him to do. He takes Mary and the baby, and he flees to Egypt to save the child's life. Now, Egypt was not just around the corner. It was a long way, and it wasn't going to be an easy place to live. But in spite of that, Joseph trusted God. Both the Magi and Joseph's story reveal a divine revelation, an epiphany, and through them, we see how God reveals himself in different ways at different times, according to his will and creativity. 
While Matthew's gospel doesn't tell us how the Magi knew the baby was the Messiah, it's clear that they knew. They knew that they knew that they knew. Otherwise, these wise men would not have traveled so long and so far bearing gifts so that they could bow down and worship the Christ child. And for Joseph, God saw fit to speak to him through an angel in a dream, not once, but several times, inviting Joseph to be part of his amazing plan, calling Joseph to serve as a conduit of his grace and his purpose. And like Joseph, God continues to invite and call each one of us in different ways, through different circumstances, to trust him, to join him, to respond in faith. And at times, the path is relatively easy, but sometimes it's hard, and sometimes it's long, and it doesn't seem to make sense, but God calls us to step forward in faith. Recently, I read a story about a pastor who received a call from a well-known and successful businessman who had just retired. The man was seeking his help in supporting a center that worked with youth who were recovering drug addicts and were in need of job training. By many people's standards, he said these youth would be considered hopeless. The pastor admitted that his judgments must have been apparent as the man commented on the pastor's surprise that someone like him, a conservative businessman, was so deeply concerned for these youth. The man shared with the pastor that he had had a remarkable experience a couple years ago. Remarkable experience, the pastor asked. Please, tell me more. The man shared this. Not long ago, I had an an encounter with Christ, he said, and it made me take a long, hard, honest look at my life. And the truth is, I didn't like what I saw. And I knew that I had to make a change. I'm not the same person I was just a few years ago. I'm living much differently now. I encountered the love of Jesus, and I knew I needed to respond, to make a move, to step out in faith. It's changed my life. Like the Magi and Joseph and so many others, This man had an epiphany, a revelation of God. God was calling him to something different, and he chose to respond in faith. We all have stories to tell, an aha moment or an epiphany where God reveals himself or his truth to us. Some are subtle and may feel like a nudge, and others may feel like a bolt of lightning that came out of nowhere like Paul experienced on the road to Damascus. I mostly experience nudges and often experience God in subtle ways. This mostly happens when I'm intentional and intent on listening to what God has to say as I pray and as I read my Bible. But recently, I had an epiphany that took me by surprise. As you know, I have a heart for discipleship. It's a passion that I know God has placed in my heart, and it runs through my veins. It brings me joy to create opportunities for others to get to know Jesus and walk with them as they grow in faith and discover how God is calling them to respond in faith and discipleship. 
My call to serve in ministry happened more than 18 years ago when, after a surprising turn of events, God opened the door for me to attend seminary. And I also began serving in my local church. Seminary is a continual discernment process. And so over the course of the next couple of years, I sought God's direction. And I knew without a doubt that I was doing what God was calling me to do, helping others grow in faith through discipleship. As I completed my Master of Divinity, I responded to God's call to serve as pastor of care ministries and discipleship at another nearby congregation. And in a conversation with my new senior pastor, she said, okay, let's get you into the ordination process. How can I help you? This was something that I had been praying about for years. And after pausing for a moment, I shared my heart with her. While I had the theological training and experience needed to be ordained, I just didn't feel that that was the direction that God was leading me. I felt that I was exactly where God wanted me to be, doing exactly what God was calling me to do. She smiled, and we agreed that we would continue to pray and allow God to pave the path going forward. I was blessed to serve that amazing church for eight years, serving alongside two wonderful senior pastors and several other associate pastors. I learned, I grew, I was challenged, and I consistently felt that I was right where God wanted me to be. Then in 2016, we moved to Charlotte. I stepped out of ministry to help my husband with a new business venture. Over the course of the next two years, we learned two things. We both like to be the boss, and I was not doing what God was calling me to do. And then my heart and my passion for discipleship found its way home the summer of 2018 when I arrived here at Weddington Church. In March 2020, as the pandemic hit, we all had to learn to do things differently. I was grateful that we were able to find new ways to grow in faith and stay connected with one another. While I know others struggled in so many ways, to be honest, I thrived because I was able to continue to find ways to help others engage in discipleship. Until a few months ago, that is. After a series of difficult circumstances and challenges, I was feeling very frustrated and discouraged. And now in retrospect, I think that frustration may have been divinely orchestrated. At the time, with all that frustration, I wanted to quit. I was done. And it was at the height of the frustration when I said it. I am not doing what I'm supposed to be doing. That was the beginning of my epiphany. Through all of the frustration, God had gotten my attention. And what happened next felt like it came out of left field. Over the course of the next few weeks, repeatedly, I heard God calling me to be ordained. After 18 years in ministry, I thought I had it all figured out. I understood my call and what the rest of my ministry was going to look like. And so to be honest, it didn't make any sense to me. Why now, after 18 years, would God call me to be ordained? And so I wrestled, and I resisted, and I thought I must be wrong in what I'm hearing. 
I prayed and I talked with others and I asked them to pray for me. I'm not someone who believes that every leaf that blows is a sign from God, but ironically, throughout the autumn months, as the leaves fell from the trees, it felt somewhat like every leaf that was blowing was God trying to get my attention. Scripture passages with similar messages seemed to pop up in front of me everywhere I turned. People would say things or send me something that conveyed a consistent theme. And then a billboard and a news segment that stopped me in my tracks and brought me to my knees. God was inviting me to join him and asking me to surrender my need to understand and surrender my plans so that he could use me as a conduit for his. And he was asking me to trust him without knowing why and without having all of the details. Epiphanies, I've learned, can be very humbling, and surrender can be hard and sometimes scary. I like to be in control, or at least feel like I'm in control. But what I realized during the struggle was I did trust God. I know that God's will and plan for my life is so much better and more reliable than my own. And if this is what God is calling me to, it's where I want to be. Even if it's not what I expected, or not what I planned, and even if it's hard. As often is the case, we gain perspective as we look back on things. And as I step into this next chapter and continue to follow God's call to enter the ordination process, here are some things that I have gleaned from this experience. Things don't always make sense. And as we struggle, we don't always get to know why. But God knows. And sometimes he chooses to reveal the why to us. But other times, he asks us to simply trust him without knowing all of the details. And while my plans have changed, what God is calling me to hasn't. Discipleship is a passion God placed in my heart years ago. And it's how he invites me to serve him and his people. We are all called and invited to allow God to use us. And God speaks to us and reveals himself to us in different ways. I can't tell you how God is specifically calling you or asking you to respond in faith. Only God can show you that. It is a voice that only your ears can hear, your eyes can see, and your heart can intuit. How you experience God at work in your life may look different for you than it does for me. And at times it may look very similar. But it is in listening to God's voice and seeking God's will that we can discover how to respond in faith to that which God is calling us to do and to be. It is my hope and prayer that we all have a divine encounter on a regular basis with the one who arrived as a little baby and brought a new kingdom, a new order, and a different kind of sovereignty to our lives. And once we encounter Jesus, there's no getting back to normal. And that isn't a bad thing. He compels us to move forward, to change, to trust him, even when it's hard and it doesn't make sense. 
God is calling us, just like he called Joseph and the Magi and so many others, to step forward in faith. Would you pray with me? Holy and gracious God, we thank you that you are always reaching out to us, always inviting us to draw near, and sometimes you take us by surprise. You surprised us when you sent your son Jesus as a baby and a humble king. Emmanuel, God with us. Your word tells us that when we seek you, we will find you. You will reveal yourself to us. Help us to have ears to hear your voice, eyes to see you at work around us, and the courage to follow where you lead as we step forward in faith. Send your Holy Spirit to be with us in the details of it all and trust you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. We pray in the precious name of your Son, Jesus. Amen.